Welcome to episode 277 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the fact that Jesus is the light. Let's dive in. We recently began a mini-series walking through the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And two episodes ago, we were talking about the fact that Jesus is in the present tense, that as he's giving these I Am statements, they are profound in the fact that they all lead to life and they're all in the present tense, meaning that this isn't just something that Jesus was 2,000 years ago. Rather, this is the reality of who he is even today. And in today's episode, I want to look at this idea of Jesus being the light. And it comes out of John chapter 8, but I just want to set this up by looking at the concept throughout Scripture. It's interesting that as you walk through the Old Testament, over and over again, it mentions this idea that God is light. For example, in Isaiah chapter 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Later in verse 19, it says, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Think about that. There is coming a day where there will be no need of a sun or a moon or stars because God himself will be our light. It really is hearkening to that idea in the book of Revelation in Revelation 22 verse 5, where it says, talking about like the new Jerusalem, it says that night will be no more. They will no need light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. What an incredible thought. So again, as you're walking through the Old Testament, there is this idea that God himself is light. Let me just give you a few other passages here. Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or Daniel chapter 2, verse 22 says, The light dwells with God. Or Micah chapter 7, verse 8, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And of course, you have that great declaration of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9, where Isaiah writes, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. And it's interesting, as you come into the book of John, John picks up that prophetic theme that the coming Messiah, Jesus, is the light itself. And John records in his first chapter, in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he says, this is right after the, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then he says this in verse 4, he says, In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so you have this beautiful idea again, where the light and life are connected. That here is Jesus, who is 
the life itself. And he's coming to the world and he's bringing forth light. And there is no possibility of darkness ever overcoming Jesus. I just, I just think that's so good. In other words, if you come into a room and you flip on a light switch, there, there is no battle happening between light and dark. Darkness has no power. Darkness has no authority. Darkness has no ability to triumph over the light. Light always wins. In fact, I don't know if it's true. I'm not, I'm not a sciencey person, but I heard once that darkness is merely the absence of light, that there really is no substance to darkness. It's just, it's the absence of light. And so when light shows up, darkness has no power to stand against it. And I love that, especially in the crazy culture in which we live. Here is Jesus, who is the light itself, and he has come into the world. And yes, he says, uh, John or uh, John records Jesus saying in John 3, verse 19, that you know light has come into the world, but men have loved their darkness rather than the light. That is true, and that is a great depiction of our culture, that here is Jesus, and though he has come into the world, Humanity has preferred the depravity of darkness. And, and yeah, I just want us to freshly return to this idea that wherever Jesus is, because he is the light, there is no ability, there is no possibility of the darkness triumphing over Christ because he himself is the light. It's just, just an amazing reality. So if you take that idea that throughout the Old Testament, there is this declaration of God being light, that there is this messianic prophecy of Jesus being the light. Then as you come into the book of John, you have these hints, like at the beginning of chapter one, you have it in chapter three, you have these hints that light has come in to the world. And it comes to a climactic moment in John chapter eight. To, to give a little background and context of what's happening John chapter 8 is in a part of this grouping of John chapter 7, 8, and 9. It's all happening. Those three chapters are happening during the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel. It's interesting as you look at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's also called the Feast of Booths or Sukkot, that it's this eight-day feast from what in our calendar would be like mid-September, sometime falling between mid-September and mid-October. And what is amazing is that during this festival, uh, every morning a priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam. So they would leave the Temple Mount and walk down, I think it's about 500 steps to the Pool of Siloam. And they would grab some water and they would come up and they would pour it on the west side of the brazen altar in the temple. And it was this great picture of a reminder that God provided the water in the wilderness. And it was on <clears throat> during this whole scene that in John chapter 7, uh, verses 37 through 39, Jesus stands up and makes that great declaration, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So so Jesus is declaring himself the, the water. He is, he is portraying himself as the very nourishment and the sustenance that the people need. And again, we looked at that last uh, episode as we're looking at this idea of Jesus being the bread of life. Now, there's a lot happening during the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and I don't have time to dive into some of the nuances, but there's this the beautiful reality of God dwelling with us, that just as the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and they had to live in tents in these temporary structures, God says, I want you to remember the fact 
that I I'm dwelling with you, that, that there's this reality of, uh, of God's presence and relationship celebrated under this festival of tabernacles. It was also this great reminder that as they were wandering the wilderness for 40 years, that they were merely sojourners, that they were foreigners, that they were travelers, that they were pilgrims waiting for a better place. In fact, I actually love the undercurrent of the fact that here they are, right? You know, 1500 years or so after they left Egypt and they're in the promised land. It's it's what God has promised, but they're still celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and I think there's this beautiful underlying reality or this reminder of saying, even though you're in the land of promise, you are still a pilgrim and there's still a better place. In fact, the New Testament writers mention that idea. They hearken to the idea that we as believers are merely sojourners, or that we are pilgrims on the way to a better place, a better land, that God, God wants to dwell with us just as, yes, he was there in the wilderness, but there was something different in the promised land. And the promised land was infinitely better than the wilderness. So too, there is something coming where the dwelling and the tabernacling and the presence of God is on a whole nother level. And it makes the promised land thing just look like, look like the wilderness. And so I, I think there's this, there's this beautiful reality of just saying, Hey, you are, even though you're in the promised land, Oh, Israelites, there is still a better place coming that you are still a pilgrim and a sojourner. And all of this is being portrayed by this idea of the tabernacling of God, the dwelling place that we are to be with the Holy spirit. Anyway, there's so much profundity in this. I just, oh, it's just rich. And you should go out and study it at some point as you have some time. But as it relates to the idea of Jesus being the light, what's really fascinating to me is that during the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the things that they would do is that in the temple structure, so in the in the outer courts where the, you know, the court of the women, one of the things that they would do is that they would, they would light four massive menorahs. And the historical reports said that it was so massive <laughs> that these that these menorahs, these candle operas, holding these massive torches, these lights were so massive that it actually turned the night sky of Jerusalem and it made it feel like daylight. Now, <laughs> I have no idea what that would even mean. I mean, we we have you know modern day city lights, and you know it's night outside, but you know you you have light. So I have no idea what the ancient world must have experienced by having four massive menorahs holding up these massive fire torches, and it was producing so much light. And of course, it was probably bouncing off the gold of the temple and all that kind of stuff. So it was probably reflective. And it was just lighting up the entire city of Jerusalem. So with all of that as a background, here is Jesus, and he's in the Feast of Tabernacles. And he stands up in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles and, and listen to what he says in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, it's really intriguing that as you come out of John chapter 8, what you have for the rest of the chapter is this argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. 
the Pharisees are pressing back on Jesus, saying, Jesus, and, and I'm I'm summarizing here in a way that would make sense in this context, but it's almost like they're saying, Jesus, we have the light. You have no idea what you're talking about. God gave us a law. God gave us the festivals. God, God is doing all this stuff. We have the light. And Jesus says, no, 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 you are blind. And this really comes ahead at the end of chapter eight. And they're saying, well, who are you? And 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 you know what what's what's the testimony? What are the witnesses of who you say you are? And of course, Jesus says, Well, the Father and I are both witnesses. In fact, even before Abraham was, I am. Right? There's this whole argument about the Abraham thing that we have, you know, we are Abraham's children. And Jesus says, Hey, I talked to Abraham. <laughs> you know? And they're like, You're not even 40 years old. And he's like, I know, but I am Yahweh. I am the God who spoke. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one that spoke to Moses in the bush. And he makes this di- uh, divine declaration that he is Yahweh God. And it says that they pick up rocks to stone him. So get this argument. Jesus stands up in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles and says, I am the light. And the Pharisees say, No, 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 no. Uh, we have the light. You obviously are walking in darkness and you have Jesus coming into chapter nine and he meets this blind man who's been blind from birth and his disciples say, well, who has sinned? You know, was it him or his parents that caused him to be blind? And of course, this was a Jewish cultural thought that if you had a disability, it's probably because you or your parents must have sinned and therefore God is giving punishment. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not what, that is not what is happening And then he says this in verse five, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So ponder this idea. Jesus is referring to a blind man and he says, look, I I know he is blind, but it's not because of sin. He, He is blind so that the works of God can be seen through him. And Jesus stands up and says, hey, I'm the light. Now here's a man who cannot see. He's walking in darkness And Jesus declares himself the light. Now, if I was that man, I would have been like, Jesus, that I need some help here. I mean, don't just talk about me. And what you see Jesus doing then is he spits on the ground, he grabs some mud, puts it on the guy's face and says, go down to the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he sends the man to the pool called scent and says, wash it off. Now the man returns and he can see. Think about this. He went from dark into light, that he went from blindness into sight. And the Pharisees get all bent out of shape because Jesus did this on the Sabbath day. And they said, hey, look, there are six good days for healing. This is not one of them. And of course, they bring the parents and said, hey, how did he get his sight? And they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, we don't know. He's of age. Ask him. And so they bring the man back up and they said, hey, you know, what 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 caused you to have sight? What what? Hey, tell us about this. <laughs> I, I love I love the cheekiness of the man. He says in John chapter nine, verse 27, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> I, just, I love that statement. And the Pharisees are like, we are not his disciples. You know, we are Moses's disciples. Hey, we are sons of Abraham. You are the foolish one. So, so get this interesting irony. Here is Jesus standing up in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles saying, I am the light. And the Pharisees are saying, no, 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 we have the light. 
But Jesus says, no, look, you, you actually are walking in darkness. You are blind. And so John, in this beautiful depiction of the story, says, do you know what Jesus did? And John records this great irony that Jesus sees this blind man and says, hey, if I can, again, put words in, in, in a summary statement, Pharisees, you are just like this blind man. Hey, you are missing it. But there is an option for you to have light. What is it? I am the light of the world. So again, Jesus is standing up in the midst of this festival, all about God's presence and dwelling. And he says, I am the light. And I know you think because you're doing all this religious activity and because you know the word, you think you have light, but the reality is you're actually walking in darkness. Unless you embrace me, all you have is blindness. I am the light of the world. And John says that light was the life of men. There's a lot of interesting layers as you come to this idea, but I just want to give one. For most of us who are on this podcast, and by the way, I just, I so appreciate you listening to the Deeper Christian Podcast. It is a rich blessing and joy to my soul knowing that someone other than my mom is listening. <laughs> so thank you. But I know most of us, you know, we, we go to church and, and we know the word and, and we love Jesus, but there's something interesting that's happening in the story that is very convicting to me. Jesus is looking at the religious leaders of his day. And he's saying, guys, you're blind. And unless you embrace me, you actually do not have light. And it's a scary thing as I look at the modern church today, because the modern church is wrapped up in a bunch of good things. And and we're doing a lot of great things and hey, hoorah, rah. But it's deeply sad to me that there's all these religious people in the church. There's all these people who know the language. There's all these people who know the songs. There's all these people who did Bible quizzing. There's all these people who have memorized the verses and, you know, have attended Sunday school and, and do their tithe, but they really don't know Jesus. They're, they're just going to church because it's a country club. They're, they're just going to church because that's the right thing to do. They're, they're just going to church because, well, that's that's just what I've always done. But they don't have the relationship and the intimacy with Jesus. And there's so many of us, like the Pharisees, who, though we may be religious, we are actually walking around blind, and we don't have the light of the life. So let me ask you, I I don't, I'm not asking if you go to church, I'm I'm not asking if you did Bible quizzing, I'm, I'm not asking if you know the songs, I'm asking you, have you actually fully embraced Jesus? That this is all about the centrality of Jesus Christ. And I know I quote these all the time, but, but you know, as Paul says in Colossians 1.18, that Jesus and Jesus alone is to be preeminent, that, that he is to have first place. He warned the Corinthians. He says, look, I am so concerned that you would leave the simplicity that is in Jesus. And for whatever reason, we have that same propensity today that we want that message that tickles our ears, as Paul told Timothy. We want something that makes us feel good. We we want that thing that would would give us the popularity or the applause or or the thumbs up on social media. And and we we shy away from, from risking everything and throwing our full life in this total dependence, total surrender, total abiding relationship 
with Jesus Christ. And and again, let me just rephrase what Jesus is saying here. Unless we embrace him, we are walking in darkness. Unless we have him, then we are blind. And just like the Pharisees, it's really easy to say, well, yeah, I have light and and I know the stories and, and I have all the information, but do we actually have Jesus? I'm so amazed that you don't have to be smart. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You don't have to be good looking. Praise the Lord. You, you, don't have, you don't have to have all the details. You don't have to know the deep theology books. Now, none of that's bad. But what is fascinating or what is so important, the reality of this whole thing is that unless I have Jesus, I really don't have anything because he is the essence of life, that he is that light itself. So can I just encourage you, would you allow the Holy Spirit to freshly examine your life? Do you have Jesus or do you have a counterfeit? And it may be a religious counterfeit and you could be spouting the fact that you have light, but you may, just like the Pharisees, may actually be walking in darkness if we're not fully embracing Jesus as our light. And that has been so convicting in my mind this last week Just realizing that while religious things are good, that it's actually not about religious things. It's about Jesus. And what areas of my life am I clinging to that are not Jesus? And am I willing to lay those down so that I can embrace Jesus? Jesus in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, this feast celebrating the very dwelling and the intimacy and the presence of God, says, do you know who I am? I am the light of the world. Just as there was fire with us in the wilderness back with the Israelites and the fire gave protection and provision and direction. Do do you realize, Jesus says, I want to be that in your life, that that I want to be your protection. I want to be your provision. I want to be your safety. I want to be your direction. I want to be that lamp that leads your feet. I, I want to be the light of your life. And it's not about having religious things. It's about having me, says Christ. So could we lay aside everything and freshly embrace Jesus today? Because as he said twice, (laughs) I am the light. And again, I don't know what you're walking through today, but if, if you're in a dark season, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and there are some shadows around, may I remind you, Jesus is our light. Will you let him give you direction? Would you let him be your protection Would you let him be the essence and the illumination of your life that when the world looks at you, they don't see you, the candlestick, they see him, the light itself. Man, I want that for my life and I desperately want that for you as well. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. I hope it's been an encouragement and a blessing for you as we're walking through this idea of Jesus and and, and the I am statements that he makes in the book of John So for show notes of this episode, including a list of all the verses I read, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 277 for episode 277. And until next time, where we continue walking through these great I am statements of Jesus and realizing that these truths were not just for 2000 years ago, they are still true for today. Know that I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you as we build our lives around Jesus Christ.